saw um, and uh, this person um, I'm not going to identify them here you can you can see it in my in my commentary uh, if, you, if you go to my profile but um, it was it, she made the comment that um, that the original design of the Constitution makes sure that everybody's rights are protected and I just had a problem with that um, because the original design of the Constitution did not consider me at whatsoever and I, and I, um, it seems like it's technical and it seems like it's you know it's it's uh, not really that important but I think it is really important to understand and not let these kind of statements go by by educated people who are you know maybe outside of their outside of their wheelhouse commenting on what the Constitution actually means um, it was it was a the original design of the Constitution was just a framework for governance, um, creating a stronger, unified nation that was a little bit more better than the Articles of, Confedera Articles of Confederation, because uh, that's what happened before the Constitution. Um, and it, it just it focused on the structure and power of government um, and, and had nothing to do with individual liberties. And, you know, in this in this exchange, I had to explain that the Bill of Rights was not included in the original Constitution, just the regular Bill of Rights um, that came four years after um, in order to be ratified. Uh, so uh, th those are the first 10 amendments. And my point was this. My point was there's a more perfect union aspect to the original design of the, of the Constitution. Yes. But the original design of the Constitution was not meant to protect you and me, especially if you're a woman. I don't care what color you are. If you're a woman, you weren't included. If you were uh, a descendant, if you if you were black, um, you weren't included in the Constitution. The original design, the original design was focused on property ownership and white males. Uh, and that's just historical fact. And like, you know, I challenge anybody to say anything otherwise. Um, but there's, otherwise, there's, we wouldn't need we wouldn't have needed those other amendments. Yes, we wouldn't need, we wouldn't need any amendments past, the, you know, the 10, um, uh, the first 10, um, because there was some concern even with the white males that, you know, own very little property like Madison was like, wait, if I don't own as much property as you, then you have more power than me. So that's how the liberty interest got started. It wasn't about um, it wasn't about slavery, and it and it, I, 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 the Federalist Papers were brought up, and I, I thought it was like kind of interesting because I've, I've actually read them, and it had nothing to do with slavery. And the Three Fifths Amendment had nothing to do with abolishing slavery or a compromise on slavery. It was about representation in Congress um, because it was just originally supposed to be just the Senate, two senators from each state. Uh, but then they, they the compromise uh, from the second uh, um, from the second constitutional uh, Congress the was Hayes to, the Hayes is that I mean? the Hay is that the Hayes compromise that you're talking it, about? It was a compromise to make Congress bilateral, so having a House of Representatives and having a Senate. So you have two senators, but then you have a rep House of Representatives that. Uh, was based upon the population. So the southern states wanted to include all slaves so they could have more representatives. And then the northern states were like, you, you don't even consider slaves, you, you don't consider slaves people. So how can you include them as far as your population for representation and taxation purposes in Congress? If we're going to write this thing out, you know, then, then like end slavery. And so 
the three-fifths compromise was not about directly ending slavery. It was about, they, they said, okay, we'll make slaves three-fifths of a person. So for every three slaves, for every five slaves, it counts as three people for purposes of representation in Congress. It had nothing to do with ending slavery. Um, as the you know, some of the northern people wanted to do, but it was a it was a compromise situation. So it's important to remember that fact, that historical fact, because um, there was never any ideal at that point in 1787 through 1791 to end slavery, and the Federalist Papers did not speak to it because Madison wanted to avoid this topic altogether in the Federalist Papers. That was about how to structure the government. Um, so I, I don't like letting people just be ahistorical when it comes to constitutional construction. Um, and, and, and the reason why it's important is because, um, because like I said, uh, the, like after the Bill of Rights, why, if, if the premise is that the Constitution established a, a framework for all people to be equal and treated equally by a, a central government, then why do we need so many amendments? Why do we need so many congressional acts to make sure that like life actually was structured um, and patterned after what the Constitution was designed to do, if that was the original design? Well, I mean, I understand there's incompleteness and ambiguity and also the changing of social norms and, and the broadening of democracy. But we had 100 years later, almost 100 years later, like, like 75 years later, we had a decision in 1857 called Dred Scott versus Sanford. And in that decision, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, Taney at that time, and I talked about this before, I think last year, T Justice Taney, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court at that time, who was the brother-in-law of Francis Scott Key, who wrote the Star-Spangled Banner. Francis Scott Key was married to Justice Taney's sister, and he was the Chief Justice of the United States, wrote that black people would never have, the, the Constitution was not written for them. They weren't in. They weren't even contemplated in the original design, even moving forward as a more perfect union. That's what Dred Scott said. Now, you know, press forward, and that decision is is highly regarded as one of the worst um, judicial decisions of the United States. But it was law for a while until the Thirteenth and Fourteenth Amendment were passed. So, um, and and what we're seeing now. What we're seeing now is is an is an illustration of the gaps in law. While the Constitution set these general principles up, things we thought were were solid, things we thought were the rule of law, were just deals. These Senate rules aren't constitutional. The filibuster has not is not in the Constitution. That's just a rule. That that's just a rule between homies. Like you can't date another homie's sister. That's the that, that's the filibuster. Can't date my sister, dude. That's just like that's G code, right? That kind of thing, or dating an ex girlfriend. That's the Senate rules. We, I mean, when I was growing up, I thought that that was like you know, I, I was like these are like the you know the filibuster was a thing that had to be done. I was like, wow, I didn't know it didn't have to be done. Um, and you know, so and, and then then we passed the Fourteenth Amendment, you know, in eighteen sixty eight. But then we have to. We need a Civil Rights Act of 1964 to make sure the 14th Amendment is applied. So the amendment process, even though you're, you're, the argument is that hey, it, the original design 
creating the amendment process made it so that we all are treated equal. Well, even with the amendment process and then passing an amendment that said that everybody is to be treated equal and get due process, we still need a 1964 Civil Rights Act to make sure the 14th Amendment is applied to everybody equally. Now, there's a why there, and the why is where we're at right now. Even almost 100 years, about two, uh, uh, 150 years later, we're still at a why. Because of because of the changing of social norms, we always go back to this point where we're asking why. Why is there need to be these things? The Voting Rights Act was passed in 1968. Why is it that we're still fighting for voting rights? Well, when they passed uh, Brown versus Board, the uh, Supreme Court had to come back the following year and issue a ruling to make them institute it. It's the only time they've ever done that. But yes, they did. Exactly. So while we're while we're fighting for the why, and that's where we are constitutionally, we're fighting for the why, and we always have to be fighting for the why because the why is why we have these rights. Martin Luther King was trying to address the why in the first part of we just passed the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington and the I Have a Dream speech, but it wasn't the I Have a Dream speech. It was a I Have a Dream sermon that was the last part of his March on Washington speech. And if you read the entire uh, um, speech or you listen to the entirety of it, it was only when Mahalia Jackson said, tell him about the dream, Martin, that he started getting into the I Have a Dream part. The first part is what he wrote. It was structured. It was academic. It was historically correct. He was like, you know what? I'm, I've, I've read these words that y'all wrote. And they apply to me as much as they apply to you. The I have a dream part was about the more perfect union part. And we're still in that part as well. Now that's the only part that people remember. They don't remember the, the, the bounce check, the check that came back insufficient funds from the March on Washington speech, which is actually one of the, one of the best. Or that it was for jobs and freedom. Exactly. The check has come back insufficient funds as it applies to black Americans. Um, and so and, and, and almost all Americans that are people of color that aren't a part of, you know, that white supremacy ideology. And, it, you know, and, and, I, and I can ha we can have that argument. Does white supremacy ideology pervade our systemic processes when it comes to people of color? We can have that. argument. It's an argument to be made. I don't need to accept it as fact. I can make the argument in every sector of our, our society where we see gains or not. And then this attack on DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, I see it as this. If there's not systemic um, racism, and if America doesn't have a systemic racism problem, then are you saying that people of color are lazy compared to their white counterparts? They, they're not. Are, are you measuring our brains again and saying we're not as smart, we're not as capable, we're not as able, we're not as articulate? I mean, what are you saying? Where, where are we centering our guide when it comes to law and how it's applied when it comes to education and, and what we need to learn this is this, this is the the fulcrum or the sit the, the, the center point of where the attacks come from are are in our history and how it's is taught number one and number two in how a law is applied to us you can see this right now and i'm transitioning to this right now this is the biggest point i'm about to make right now you can see this illustrated right now with these white folks that are being charged with these crimes they have no idea how they're being charged they're like how are you charging me 
with this, me, even though I committed a crime, but you're charging me. You're not supposed to charge me with RICO. They don't even know what RICO is. It's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy to do an unlawful thing. So that's why they're being charged. The, the original, you know, the the uh, original design of the Constitution protected. I was like, you know, read just. I'm looking at your profile picture, and Justice Taney said it does not do that. And like he was actually talking about the original design of the Constitution, 1857, from 1787, and then 1791, when the Bill of Rights was actually um, um, uh, included in order to make sure that all states ratified. Um, so, you know, 60 years later, Justice Taney was like, nah, you're not, it, this, this didn't even apply to you. So for us to even like try to rewrite history and say it did because these are the words and they, and I feel good about it now. You can still feel good about it now, but like, you know what? Don't be ahistorical about it. Don't be game goofy about what the <laughs> Constitution was originally meant to be. It wasn't for us. We made right. it for us. Don't, don't disrespect the fight that our ancestors did and the, what they endured to make sure we got to this point right now. Everybody, don't disrespect them because there was a bunch of fight that we, we don't even understand the idea of what it took to get us to this point where we have the freedoms we have right now that we're still fighting for right now. Think about them. Exactly. I have a question for you, Mark, someone in the audience, and I am so glad she is here uh, joining us today. Um, Heidi, um, wants to uh, ask you to repeat the line that you made about it being a deal between homies. I think you were talking about the filibuster or something because Mark gets real uh, colorful <laughs> with his descriptions, legal descriptions. Can so you? The, 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 the filibuster is literally a Senate rule that actually the Democrats came up with to stop the Republicans from, you know, they just made this rule. Um, it's called a filibuster. It, it takes 60 votes to, to, make new to, to pass legislation that doesn't have anything to do with budget um and there's there's like little loopholes but mostly budget can pass without the filibuster on on just 51 to 50 uh, or excuse me a, a a 51 to 49 vote right um they have the filibuster to pass ma basically it's major laws it's a senate rule though it's not constitutional it's nowhere in article one there's nothing about the filibuster in the original constitution or any in any extension of the constitution, no amendment, anything. It's just a rule, a rule with homies. And most of the Senate rules and congressional rules are not law. They're just homie rules. Like I'm not, you know, you can't date your homie sister. So you, and you can't like, you know, and like some, some people have, and me and my homies have this ex-girlfriend thing. We're like, you can't date your homie's ex-girlfriend. That's like, that's just like foul, right? That's like a filibuster. So it's just I, like a handshake or a nod, like yo. It's, no, it's a nod, um, <laughs> it, but and and but here's the thing: there's consequences if you break it, even if it benefits you immediately. So if the Democrats say, because we have the Senate, if the Democrats say we're just gonna fuck the filibuster, we're gonna pass this shit now, when you don't have that majority, the Democrats, I mean the Republicans, can do the same thing. So that, that's the problem, and it, that's also like a you know an allegory to the argument to expand the Supreme Court as well. You know, it, there's these rules that, like, you know, you don't want to really do it because if you do it, the drop, the drawback is they can do it when they have the majority too. And we know that, you know, we're fickle voters. Things are going to, there's social changes that happen decade to decade. So Democrats aren't going to always have the majority and neither are Republicans. So there's this, like, kind of rule that, like, hey, we, we're both going to honor this 
um, this uh, filibuster. It doesn't mean that the other side is going to honor it next time, though. As they get more, as they get more um, off to the right and more extreme, they may not honor the filibuster anymore. And it might be that, and so that that's the issue. So it's important to not just give up the Senate majority in our lifetime. We have to keep on expanding it. We have to- I, I appreciate it. And this has been a, a, another great space. So I, I, I appreciate the vine and soul sister. Always, always good seeing you. Um, just, just, just one minute, right? So the, the, the constitution, now, this is the point I wanted to make. The, the, the U.S. Constitution was conceived as a framework for governance, but it wasn't a, a complete manual for ensuring that Americans had rights and liberties, um, especially us. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking about us as Americans right now. Uh, it set up the mechanics of government, but it, it, it fell far short of addressing all of all of what the government or, or America is about equality and justice. So that's why it had to be refined through the amendment process, you know, the bill of rights all the way to the civil rights act of 1964. But remember this, and this is, uh, this is a very important point. Each step toward making this nation a more perfect union has been met with opposition from people who do not want it to be perfect. The 19th amendment, didn't happen in a vacuum. It was a product of advocacy, relentless. The Voting Rights Act of 1965 wasn't a gift. It was earned through struggle and sacrifice. So my point is, uh, ultimately, that our work right now is far from done because of the work that was done before by our ancestors and our predecessors. No matter where you come from, if you want to advance democracy and advance the ideals that that were that are built upon this constitutional republic you have to whether it be technological change or evolving social norms or judicial interpretations we have to continue to fight for our rights to question and to advocate our constitution the united states constitution lives and breathes through our actions it's through us that it actually happens thurgood marshall made this point when he argued brown versus board of education in 1954, in advance of a quest for a more inclusive America, because that quest is a never-ending journey. And I'll conclude with this. We cannot be complacent. The Constitution is a living document. It lives through us. But it only lives if we continually breathe life into it through our vigilance and our advocacy and our belief that we can be a more perfect union through our actions. Thank you, Dee. I appreciate you. And uh, man, that is like an actual uh, <laughs> like a tornado alert. Somebody back Well, you uh, you be today. Hi, everybody. A great transition, Greg. Thanks, because my focus is on criticizing mainstream media. <laughs> that's where my passion is, and that's what my focus is. But um, Mark, if I don't know if Mark is still in the room or he jumped off, but no, oh he's still goodness, here. What a lecture! I was just sitting there listening thinking I should, if I had the time, I would like to download the whole thing, put subtitles and captions on it, and make a, if it needed to be a 200-post thread uh, to, to amplify it, 
um, so that people could see it and it would be accessible, subtitles and all of that, because that was just a master class and I just loved it. Thank you for the education, Mark. 